mere seconds, mere seconds before the start of the show, and we're both typing away in the document. Where was that link to the the movie thing? Hmm. Right. I found it. Hmm. All right. Just gathering links Mm -hmm. for the show. Take your time. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I took off my blue blockers. Everything's blue. (laughs) Did you like that photo? Uh, which one? The one of you looking like an old man? Looking like, well, Commissioner Gordon, yeah. Very, very mm-hmm. respected individual. I think he's just Lieutenant Gordon at that point. Oldman, they say. <laughs> I say old man. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm, I don't approve of the mustache. My daughter really doesn't like it. Yeah, it's no good. My wife, my wife likes it. She actually complimented me on that, and she never does mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Sure it wasn't sarcastic? No. I'm never sure. You're not sure. <laughs> That's my secret. I'm never sure. Oh, I should take these off so my cans will fit better, but everything's blue. I got these new blue blockers. You mean sunglasses, right? Well, there's like, there's the ones that Dan turned me on to, which are asinine. And they're very funny. There's ones you can get that are goggles that you can wear over your big boy glasses that make, uh, that, are, that are orange. They're like safety but, orange. All right. But as we all know, the goggles do nothing. Um, <laughs> nice to see you. God, we were watching old ones the other day and that show's still so good. My God. Um, and then I got these, the ones I'm wearing in the, my Commissioner, Gor- Commissioner Gordon photo that are not as dramatic in cutting out the blues, but you can also like wear them around like a person. But boy, you see a difference. Look at that. Look at that. You see a difference. Hmm. I got to get new glasses. I broke the arm off my glasses, which had already been repaired twice. And so now at night when I watch TV, everybody makes fun of me because I'm wearing glasses with one arm. Mm-hmm. And you, you know how I look already. So these glasses in the picture, you're saying these are these are the ones that are blocking blue light? Mm-hmm. They don't look... They, yeah, they, they look like normal glasses. Well, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. They do look what, like Gary what, Oldman what glasses. What the devil you say? Those, those are fine looking glasses. Those are a little big for your face, maybe? Wow. You know, before I do my next Warby Parker, I, I really need your input. I look, I, I, I look like a clown in all the glasses. Yeah, I, I have the same trouble. I've had the same pair of glasses for many, many years. And every time we go to pick up glasses for the kids or for my wife, I try on a million glasses when I'm there. Even though I'm not there to get glasses. Like, oh, let me try on all the glasses. Yeah. And I don't find any that I like better than my current ones. I don't like my current ones. They're not particularly good. Kind of a Himmler thing going on. Your kids have cool glasses. Your kids seem very current in their glasses. Yeah, but it's easy when you have a, a kid face. Yep. Yeah, you have a, uh, I can see your face being challenging. It is. It's challenging. It's like your body. It's an extension of your body. It's further challenging. Mm -hmm. It's like it's it's part of my body, practically. Almost. You've got like a long-armed face in a lot of ways. I'm not saying this in a disparaging way. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't wouldn't do that. But um, yeah, it's difficult. Your face is looking pretty long in that picture, too. Um, You saying I look drawn? It's because I haven't shaved. See, I've got got the, the, the two weeks of mustache. Uh, quote unquote, and then I got a little bit of uh, gristle going on. Yeah, you just got the random, random whiskers too. <laughs> no, sorry, I do not live in the woods. Thank you. Uh, what was I gonna say about glasses? Uh, links. We had a box meal tonight. It was pretty good. You ever get good eggs? You get good eggs. You have good eggs. I don't know what that is. Mm. It's um. It's not like, you know, there's, there's the ones we've used and talked about and had sponsors for where, you know, you get three meals in a box and tiny packages. This sure. is more like the service where you're like, 
how do I explain? On the one side, you've got the well-known companies that have the boxed meals in tiny packages. At the other hand, and you have like the, well, here's the vegetables we felt like giving you this month, the organic yeah, yeah, mystery I've done box. those before. Oh, yep. and it's always turnips. It's always like, no. it's always like winter vegetables and like. Oh, well, the winter it is, sure. Or close well, to I just, I, I can't roll with chard like my wife can. I just. Yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of greens. Yeah, a lot of leafy greens. Anyways, she, Good Eggs has a pretty good setup. You you can like order stuff and they'll bring you flowers. You can get produce. In this case, we've got a nice uh, ziti with uh, tomato gravy and meatballs. And it was pretty good. So do they give you a recipe, this Good Egg thing? Or this they just one give is you very, this is basically cooked meatballs and a jar of sauce and a thing of ziti. Cooked meatballs? I don't like that at all. Hmm. You like making your own? Yeah, no. I mean, I don't feel. I feel like meatballs are not a thing that would travel well. I feel like we've talked about this. Do you, do you do you don't do veal? Do you just do beef and pork? Just beef. Just beef. Just beef. You yeah, put we on... had a whole ATP about it recently. Oh, sorry, well, I not that. a whole one, but there was there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, food talk. Well, actually, you know, I, I I don't say I like that show. I listen to that show. Is there any way that you could take out all of the stuff that's not about <laughs> the technology that interests me? Sometimes, I, I feel like it. I'm the only man at a table it's full of women. It's a good, it's an innovative idea that hadn't occurred to us. And now that you Has anybody ever suggested that to you before, John? They say, take out we'll, all the stuff I don't like? Well, consider, yeah. Maybe you could do like a customized feed for each person where you'd specify the things that you're interested in hearing. And then you know, S- like, Slate kind of does that. It's hard, it's difficult to do. But Slate, when you're a member, you can go in and say what stuff you like do and don't want in your feed, but it's a little bit clunky. It's easier to all just right. get them all. So I have a. But you're saying you can get a bespoke feed, and you can take out all the times that like like Casey apologizes, or Marco talks talks about fish, or or you mention gravy, and you could just cut all that out, and you could just hear the, the blippity bloops about Swift. Yeah, I want to go back a second because I have I want to tell you some things about Slate. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Slate. You talk about Slate on bunch of your podcasts because i guess you listen to a lot I of their end stuff up listening to two podcasts podcast two podcasts that come up a lot because i always listen to them right before i record another podcast uh the watch from the ringer which is really good and uh, I, I often mention slate culture gab fest or double x gab fest because i'm frequently listening to that right before i record a show i listen to a fair number of slate shows i also get it confused with chapo's something or other what is that one chapo trap house that's its own thing is that on Slate too or no? No, 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 no. Okay. You know, you know what they make on their Patreon? I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I don't. I don't. I don't look at other people's Patreons. It's uh, you know, they call it the Dirtbag Left. You know, a socialist podcast. Uh, you know what they make? Don't tell me. Hundred k a month. No. no. See, I told you not to tell me that. Why do you do that? K, they make a hundred k a month. I can't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna expunge that. They make a hundred k a month. They do. Um, they do a, a a public show and a private show uh, every week. All right, all right, all right. So they're, so they're, they're number one. We're the 28th most popular podcast on Patreon, Do By Friday. So, yeah. So on Do By Friday, often you talk about the Slate, a month. the Slate Culture Gab Fest whatever thing. And for whatever reason, I listened to an episode like this past week. I think it was episode, I think someone gave me the link because we talked about Alex Jones on ATP and someone said, oh, here's a, uh, another podcast that talks about it. And I'm like, Merlin always talks about this one. Yeah. It's the one with, the, it's the one with Dickerson. That would be the original Gab Fest. That's the Slate Political Gab Fest with right. David, David Plotz and John Dickerson and, uh, I'm going to forget her name. Yeah, that's the OG. They've been around for a real long time. Do you endorse that podcast or no? Like I, they lumped them all in the same, but now you're telling me there's lots of different Gab Fests. I guess that's a branding thing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got, um, but they're all in the same format. There's a comforting format to how they do the show, and they're all in that same format. Three topics, uh, recommendations, and then an after show for members. But uh, I, I mean, I don't know if I, I don't to say I endorse it. I mean, like any podcast, you get super into it because you have a relationship with the voices. Um, I was very much like that with Double X Gab Fest, which has now become the waves, and now they have different people on. And they don't have June Thomas on every week, which breaks my heart. But I mean, I, I think that's a I think that's a very good show. I think they're the the things that they know a lot about, and their POV are interesting contrasts. Why am I forgetting her name, Emily? Ugh, Emily, but no, but she's a, she's a lawyer. She she's real smart. You know, Dickerson is a very level, very well educated uh, guy who obviously he, he tries to stay pretty neutral about stuff because of his job. And then David Plotz is the Atlas Obscura guy. So he like knows lots of stuff about lots of stuff and has surprising, uh, surprisingly strong opinions about things you wouldn't always expect. And he's frequently the spoiler who's like, you know, why are we doing this? Why is this happening this way? So Dickerson wasn't wasn't on the episode that I heard and they had another person in to talk about the Alex Jones stuff. I don't know if they were expert or whatever. But anyway, my mm-hmm. expectation going in was that uh, this, because people were recommending this podcast would be filled with people who are much more knowledgeable about the topic area than most of the podcasts I listen to and people who are very smart and very funny. Yeah. And I might've gotten confused with the trap house thing. So maybe I was expecting more humor, but they weren't that funny. Mm-hmm. They obviously knew more than the average person, but in general, I found the conversation much more like any podcast I've ever heard and much less like a, uh, you know, a thing that's you know, seven levels above like a Dubai Friday. It wasn't. I think it I wasn't think, seven I, levels above Dubai. I it was think just, I know. I think I know where you're going, and it is, in my opinion, um, I tend very much, as you know, I tend very much to weigh against topic focused shows unless they're really good at that topic, or unless ultimately the voices are more important than the topic. There's there is a thing that happens with real grown up people podcasts where like. A topic is picked or agreed upon. Usually one person in the group or maybe the producers, I think, I'm guessing, have a very strong feeling about an Ocaron topic that should be remarked upon by this group, and then everybody bones up on it. You know what I'm saying? It isn't like, you know, it isn't isn't like a show where everybody's got the same deep bench on a certain topic, and you have to talk about this because this is the thing you always talk about. So yeah, it's, on those kinds of shows, it's not unusual for somebody to just have a lot of reckons. Yeah, that was very much what it was like. But I think I, I think I expected more humor than than there was. So I was kind of disappointed. You would not like Chapel Trap House. It is uh it is a very, very special and uh upsetting show. But it, if if you like that kind of humor, it's really Can you good. tell me uh the first word? Is that a proper noun? What? Chapo? Chapo. Yeah, it's a joke on El Chapo. I don't know what that is. Okay. Um and, and no, then the second that... second question, what is a trap house? I think it's a drug thing. Hmm. So but sometimes the they have James Adomian on, and he does impersonations of Sebastian Gorka and Elon Musk, and it's very, very funny. James Adomian is very, very funny. Are they professional comedians in that show? No. No. They are... Uh, I mean, they only make 100K a month, so I hardly could call them professional. Well, right? they're still learning. Um, we shouldn't talk about that show. Um, it upsets people. But um, I'm trying to think of a show that you would like... Like, you know, it's a good show. Uh, I, I've come around to a bunch of KCRW shows lately. Um, I mainly knew Josh Barrow from political Twitter, 
I didn't realize he's the host of Left, Right, and Center, which is, a, if you like a political topic show, that's pretty good. He has a new show with Ken Scott, Ken Scott, Ken White, the guy who's Popat on Twitter. He and Popat do a show called All the President's Lawyers, if you like that kind of thing. And it's basically about, uh, it's very focused on what's happening this week in the Trump legal world. And uh, Ken White, so he's a really smart guy. He is a contrarian about lots of things. On his own show, on the Popat show, he actually did an entire episode about why, for the love of God, everybody should so- stop saying First Amendment doesn't mean you can shout fire in a crowded theater. It was a very, very good episode about why, if you're a lawyer, shame on you for saying that because you don't know the context for where it came from. But yeah, so I would say all the president's lawyers might be good. You're not so into the political stuff. No, like, I don't listen to those shows at, at all. But it just occasionally there's an episode that becomes heavily recommended and I have a hole in my lineup and I'm like, oh, let me try this one. And I think I probably won't make that mistake again with political shows. Well, something you said, gosh, a long time ago at this point that really intrigued me is when you were first recommending movies with Mikey. And I don't remember if you said it at the time, but after, at least after I had watched it, you said something, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you said something along the lines of like, you frequently disagree heavily with his opinion or how he states it or whatever, but there's something about that show that really attracts you, right? Yeah, I, I almost always disagree with, you like, you uh, like his the, style. with the particulars and in the broad strokes, but it's clear uh, that, well, first of all, you have to be, you have to be willing to accept uh, the shtick, which mm-hmm. I am. This is this is a shtick I want to accept and bring it on. And the second, it's clear that he feels deeply about these things and is trying earnestly to he express his feelings. Very and that, and that, deeply, and like that, and that deeply. To yeah, yeah. Like just yeah. The, the general earnestness and enthusiasm, and and he's knowledgeable and he's yeah. got an opinion that I almost never agree with, but I still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, but you, the reason I mention it is, um, gosh, there's something down in many topics we haven't addressed. Maybe we'll someday about podcasts and what makes you stick with them. But um, when you're saying that is something that bounces around in my head a lot, not least because I do find it very difficult. I mean, I, I listen to dozens and dozens of podcasts. I, I would I would try to tell you how many podcasts I listen to, but you would not believe it. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I have I have a pretty strong opinion about like knowing whether this is a show I really like or a show that I maybe don't really like. I don't hate that many things. But there's certain, there's certain like, you know, certain little ticks and twitches that make it difficult for me to get into something. But I have, I have very strong opinions. But knowing how I feel about that and how I have that same kind of feeling that you have about Mikey with so many shows, I find it very difficult to recommend. It's it, even more so than TV shows. I find it hard to even do the typical collaborative filtering of like, well, if you like these three shows, you might like that show. It's easy enough with tech stuff because it's all kind of the same mostly. But like when it gets into people, you know, their styles and their opinions and their view about culture and the world, you know, it does come down so heavily to how you feel about that voice. And it is such, I don't know if you agree, I think that it's such a particular thing, you know, where, where people could really, really like this one topic a lot and they just could be like Doctor Who podcasts. They're all so different, you know, it's, I don't know, it's just... Yeah, come to think of it, I don't think I recommend podcasts that often. Like, I, I certainly recommend movies and, and TV shows and stuff like that. But I don't, Flophouse, you're, you're an old school Flophouse recommender. Yeah, but even remember, if you remember way back, uh, like the Flophouse, yes, I was the first one in a little circle to listen to it because I. <laughs> well, you're widely you're widely credited as being yeah, the first one. Yeah, but no, I'm saying, but but here but here's the thing, and it was only because I I knew John right. And right. First of all, John pitched the show to me. 
and I wasn't that interested. John, John as being you know, Dan's Dan's brother. I yeah, I don't like I don't like comedy podcasts. I'm like, I don't listen to your brother's podcast. I don't like comedy podcasts, right? I resisted, and then once I started listening, even long after I had fallen in love with the show, I didn't really recommend it. I would just be like, "There's this show I'm listening to," like because I I didn't think other people would like it. Like I was like, in the beginning, it's really I didn't weird. Really it's like really it. weird, and and it's it's both offensive and corny. Yeah, and it's like it's it's kind of dumb, and the audio's bad, and like I don't expect you, like I couldn't bring myself. I know to I know. recommend it, like, and so for the first like two years that I was telling people about the Flophouse, it's not like I was out there evangelizing it. What I was doing is like the most tepid, backhanded compliment of like it's a really dumb show, but for some reason, and I hated it in the beginning, and I had to be convinced to watch to listen to it, but for some reason, I found myself liking it. So maybe check it out. You probably won't like it. Just maybe check it out, which is part of why it took so long for the extended group to actually get into it because I wasn't like selling it. I wasn't endorsing it because yeah. I just felt like, all right, even I didn't like this in the beginning and I have a personal connection to the thing and they read my letters in the air. Can I really recommend this to people who also probably don't listen to m- many po- uh, comedy podcasts? Yeah. And I don't know if everyone else's experience with it was also a slow burn, but it, it was takes, not because takes, I was It might take 10 it. episodes before you get into it, especially yeah, if they're early like 50. ones. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's why I, as I, I know you disagree with this in many, many, many ways, but that's why I, I, you know, I'll frequently say, try Bullet to the Head, because if you really hate Bullet to the Head, this is a show you can skip. If you're, if you're intrigued by the Stallone tangent, for example, this might be for you because sometimes those moments come along and they're really, really beautiful. But, but I can see someone hating that and still ending up liking the show because there are, there are bits that like if you, in the, on the first episode, you're like, these people are dumb. They're not as funny as they think they are. And they're going to hear this and be sad. And, and their jokes are obvious. And, and, the, but then like 150 episodes in, as you laugh hilariously out loud in your car, you realize this is like my favorite podcast. What the hell happened? And, Right or like like going through the array of like what's the what's the name of the movie what's the name of that movie I don't know and they just start naming every movie that it's not yeah the, it's such like, a dumb joke but it's so funny yeah and and you know after however many years you think the things would get old the personalities would get stable like enough there's like an arc and things change and but but I, I but I have such trouble recommending a show yes, like that because it's, it's it's not it, so yeah so I'm I do not take credit for. Uh, telling everyone how great the Flophouse is. I do take credit for telling everyone this is a weird show I'm listening to that you probably won't like that I don't think I really like either, despite the fact that eventually I, you know, three years in, it's, you know, it was like uh, the, the only comedy podcast I've ever listened to and like my favorite one ever and I still listen to it. So obviously the show is amazing and great, but will the people ever get through that? Like mm-hmm. get to the point where they love the show too or will they bail in the first several hundred episodes before that, before it really clicks with them? Especially since... You can't tell people to go back to the beginning like it's too much I know, well, that's, that's you and Mabim Bam. I mean, you know, I, you gave it a throw. It wasn't your thing. And it breaks my heart, but I, I, do, un- I do understand. Yeah, there's not, not a lot of room for, for a podcast. Although I did, did I tell you I started The Adventure Zone? You're kidding. Because, again, people are heavily endorsing that. Did you like, start, my... the, did you start, well, it, I'm, I'm not going to be that guy, but it gets better. So you uh, started with Here There Be Gerblins? Yeah, I started from the very first one. What else am I going to do? It's crazy talk. Wow. Um, Magnus but, uh, rushes in. Yeah. Anyway, uh, like everyone is raving about it, and it's it's Mike Hurley's favorite podcast, and so it's, it's I was like, pretty special. It gets so, it gets so special. I started listening to it. Yeah. Uh, but they're very long, and there's not a lot of room. So <laughs> I, I know. I, I know. I I have stopped, but I got through a bunch of them. I you know I haven't even gotten to the good part yet. Have as, you gotten, Have I'm, you gotten to Rockport Limited yet? No, I'm not even through the first season. I we it was became something I well I'm not gonna say who I listened to it 
with. But um, it became something I listened to with another person. And um, and I enjoyed it. It was fun. And we kind of have it on sort of in the background. Um, I think this, I think it's the second chapter. When it gets in, uh, Murder on the Rockport Limited, it kind of lights up and gets a lot more fun. They're doing more characters. It's, it's if you can stick with it, and you get to go to Fantasy Costco. It's fun. But yeah, no, anyway, I, I take your point. Yeah. But that, but that that is much more immediately appealing than than the flop house because those those guys well, are have a certain brand well, of stuff and it is. See, what you're going to hurt them by saying you know, that. You're going you're to hurt their feelings. No, um, I, they should be uh, the flop house people don't listen to this podcast, so it doesn't matter. I don't know. Um, I, I'm just going to say, you know, uh, I I mean, there are a lot of shows I listen to with funny people saying funny things, but there are so many times I've tried to get into something that I've been told it's a very funny comedy podcast and it just makes me want to tear my hair out. And I'll give you an example that you should be able to get into. Well, I don't want to slag, but excuse me, I'm I'm having lots of ziti. Um, There's a podcast that's done by two comedians, one of whom I like a lot and one of whom I super like a lot. And the podcast was about you two. And then their podcast pivoted to be about R.E.M. So they went through every U2 album, and then they went through every R.E.M. album. Oh, I know that one. I've heard several episodes of it. What do you think? Uh, I, it's insufferable. I mean, insufferable. I, I, I don't know. First of all, I didn't There's know There's so comedians. much L.A. comedy jiving on there. There's so much Maybe. like morning zoo bullsh- bullcrap. Mm. It's just like, oh, God, Adam Scott, you're better than this, man. This is bleh. I felt like they weren't nerdy enough about you two in some of the episodes I listened to. No, they sounded uh, like jocks who, like, who, you know, they got a dub from their brother or something. They, well, it was you very two jocky. on that episode at some at some yeah, point. Yeah, too. they got they were on eventually. Yeah, that yeah, feels like that. That feels like jumping the shark for a show like that. Just, <laughs> if they were, they should be such big fans that you two would never go on that I show. I tuned in because they were going to do REM. I tuned in for Chronic Town, and it was like <laughs> kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Now, are you listening to Bill? Are you listening to um, uh, Hip Parade? I don't know what that is. You might try Hip Parade. I will try to pick an episode for you. This guy named Chris Malamphy, who's a deep, deep music nerd, is a slate show. And uh, Hip Parade is a show, I think it's every two weeks, once a month, something like that. But he goes out and finds something interesting and anomalous on the Hip Parade or the like Billboard charts. Some interesting things that happened at the same time, the same week. He finds something interesting that happened, and then he does like an hour on it. And it's amazing. The one on the the relationship and connections between George Michael and Elton John was really good. The very first episode, the one about the history of red, red wine, was weirdly good. Um, and it's just, it's it's real good. He does a, he does a real deep dive. And the, the most recent two, was a, for his first two-parter, was on REM and B-52s and uh their history and it's just it's just meticulously done very detailed very satisfying you might enjoy that but you don't yeah, have room I, you don't have time for podcasts you gotta I work like to pick out individual episodes like i subscribe to song exploder but i mm-hmm. only listen to the episodes where i know the song i want to hear about me too like, me too so it's mostly just delete 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 oh i like that one delete delete, delete i like delete. that show and i like that guy a lot um and i think you know obviously for me the commander thinks aloud is like one of the that's, great podcast that's one of the great podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, actually, and some surprised me, like the MGMT one, you know, that one song that was a hit a few years ago, that one was really good. But, um, I don't know, man, comedy's not funny. It's really not. Except for the ones I like. 
The only comedy podcast, the only podcast I listen to that you could qualify as comedy are The Flop House is number mm-hmm. one. Yep, obviously. yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, Do by Friday, I guess. But even I that, guess. I wouldn't. It's hard though. It's real. Yeah. I don't there are long stretches where it's yeah not a comedy podcast. Max is very curmudgeonly. Um, I'm touchy, and Alex keeps throwing up. <laughs> um, what else? You're a triple good? threat. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm trying to see what else. God, I'm, you hear this? You hear this? I'm still scrolling. I don't hear. You. How can I hear you scrolling? Oh, it's my it's my Logitech. I thought. You got the wheel? You got the wheel. Yeah, here. Mm, there we go. The only That's thing, the stuff. only gesture I'm not still not super into is the press down on the little wing under your thumb and go up to do wing expose. under your thumb? This is the one that looks, looks kind of like a race car. I don't, I don't like all the buttons under my thumbs and stuff. My, well, I specifically choose the, the mouse that doesn't MX, have buttons. This is the MX Master, MX mm-hmm. Master, and it's very good. It's got a good side scroll. Huh? What? The RSI Master, as, as Mike Curley calls it. <laughs> I, it doesn't bother me. I can't feel my hands. Um, what else we got? Oh my god, I'm just down to the T's. I'm still going. Oh, this is bad. Um, hey, uh, you know, oh, did you ever listen to you? Must remember this. I got that recommended so much. I think I tried an episode. I don't think I made it. Her like style two and a half can be off off putting a little bit. I did not did not make it. She overpronounces her T's a little bit. I'm not being that guy. I'm really not being that guy. Um. Yeah. Okay. I will close this tab. John, um, took it. something we should mention here at the top of the show. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I just do them just for you. Mm-hmm. Hey, 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 you guys, you know what this is? This is uh, uh, August. This episode will come out on or about August 23rd. And if it's August, it must be time for the relay uh, anniversary. Do you know about this, John? Did you know about this? I don't know about this. Please tell me more. I haven't, I haven't read. Okay, so there's a copy here that I can choose to read from. I'm going to start reading this copy. <laughs> don't mention latex. Don't mention latex. <laughs> make good. Make good. You know, they're legally required. It's <laughs> a legal requirement. Single greatest email I ever got. Hey, you guys. How's it going? It's me, your old pal Merlin. Uh, you know what a day I'm in is? It's time for membership drive copy 2018. H1. Um... Um, Mike and I write really differently. Uh, long version. Uh, hey, you guys, this month, it's, uh, look, you know what? Screw this. Here's the deal. We're on Relay. It's a network. Okay? 5K wallpapers. I don't know. I don't want to read all this. Here's the deal. We're, we're on a podcast network. You're listening to, uh, what is this show? This is Reconcilable Differences, which is a show we do here on, on the Relay Network. And uh, we don't like to uh, ask you for money more than maybe once or twice a year, usually in the month of August, because August is the anniversary month of Relay. This is, uh, it's something like a fun drive. This is the time of year that we remind people they can choose to become a member of the Relay Network, and that has some nice benefits. You get a, you get a monthly behind-the-scenes newsletter. You get some uh, cool desktop wallpapers of the show art, if that's the kind of thing you like. Um, there's a monthly Relay FM host crossover show that can be very amusing, I have to say. And uh, you get access to a m- member feed. And in the month of August, that's an RSS feed for your audio. And in the month of August, all the great shows on Relay FM all do a bonus episode that goes up in your member feed. And, uh, and as John and I have said many times, jump in anytime, um, they're usually really good. Like they're surprisingly really good. Like people will uh, often have guests on, they'll do something special. It could be a weird crossover between episodes, but, uh, like what are some of the shows on here? Well, who's all on this network? What do you like on this network, John? 
I like the, uh, I'm talking about the member episode specifically. So the Cortex is on here, uh, and so is Upgrade. And the one of the member shows that I like is a person from each of those shows where they play one of those text adventures where one person plays the computer and the other people play like the oh, regular players. Oh, right, yes. There are a couple of episodes. So I don't know if they're doing one this year, but they're already like two in the can. So you should become a member uh, just to listen to those. I think they're great. Uh, I think our member episodes have been pretty good. We mostly bring in another person who's not on the show, usually a famous fancy person who's... Well, uh, I think the in keeping with... I don't know if we want to mention this one, but the two previous ones we did, uh, two years ago, we did one... Well, what I was going to say was, to finish my sentence, is that um, we frequently have a guest on who also is somebody that we've talked about on the show a lot. Fair to mm-hmm. say? Mm-hmm. So... 2016, we had uh, John Roderick, a uh, friend from Roderick on the Line in the Long Winters. Last year, we had an episode that made our editor sad, where um, Max and Alex from Dubai Friday came on, and uh, and that was fun. And so, you know, uh, if you become a member, you get to hear this uh, year's member episode as well. Do we want to tell people who that is? We should, because then that will make them want to be a member and hear the cool episode. D- David Siegel calls it fish food. This is how you attract people to your site, with fish food. John, John, who's our uh, special guest for this 2018 Diggity member episode of uh, Reconcilable Differences? Famous visual effects artist, Todd Vaziri. Todd Vaziri. Uh, our close personal friend and also uh, a great person who is living the dream of making Star Wars movies after growing up loving Star Wars. And we talk about other things too, but uh, that is that is the nexus of the amazingness of Todd Vaziri. Well, um to get real deep in the Mr. Show, Colin Show stack. Uh, we're recording this show uh, August 14th. It will come out around August 23rd. As of yesterday, which is a week and a half ago for you, uh, the member episode is done. It is edited. I have listened to it, and it is very fun. Uh, our editor, Jim, said he quote-unquote loved it, which is good. When Jim likes it, you know it's good. And so we talked to Todd about all kinds of stuff. Uh, we talked about, uh, you'll hear it, but we talked about his career working in ILM, getting his dream job of getting to make Star Wars and many other excellent, excellent movies. Um, and a topic that we have been saving for probably two months, we finally talked about with Todd. Uh, basically, we go into full media blackout and the whole information problem on the internet. How you deal with media and kids. What else do we talk about? You you got a lot of good questions in at the end. Yeah, uh, we actually, we, t- we talked about uh, sharp objects briefly. Uh, in a non-spoilery way. Mm-hmm. So this it's, it's something for everybody in this episode. And this is just, and if you become a member, you don't just get this episode. You get all the past member episodes for all the shows, not just our show. That's right. It's great. It's a great deal. You should totally do it. Yeah, I agree. I don't want to beat it to death. So you go to, um, you go to this, uh, you go to this website. You go to, oh, so you go to on the internet. You get on your computer and you go to relay.fm slash membership. And you can go in there and choose the level at which you would like to contribute to the network. You can choose for all that money to go to this show or for it to be distributed amongst all the great shows. I think John would like you to give all your money to us. Yeah, why not? Okay, I don't have a strong opinion about it. I just want, I just want your money. Um, but you can go in and do that. And, and uh, you know, like I say, uh, I, I hope you will agree that we don't bug you too much about this stuff. This is something we ask for once a year. Uh, and it does help us out a lot. It helps John and me uh, make dough from the show. We're not seeing any hundred grand a month or anything like that. But it, it is uh, it is very much appreciated. So you go to uh, relay.fm slash membership, you sign up, you get all the great shows, uh, and we appreciate your support of the network. Mm, I had a lot of ZD. I'm very belchy. You had kind of saying like, you had a lot of ZD. Uh, and when you say mm. that without any context, I'm thinking, not just because we have recently talked about another podcast, I'm thinking baked ZD, but that's not what you had, is it? I love baked ZD. I love 
Is it me or is ZD not as much of a thing anymore? Didn't ZD used to be? I feel like so, ZD used to be up there. So when I, when I was growing up, it was the thing. This is what I talked about in ATP. When we, when I was a kid and you go to an Italian restaurant, it's what you got if you were a kid in an Italian restaurant. You got a big ZD. Because it was a thing that we didn't make at home, really. And mm-hmm. it's very kid-friendly, right? It's like a, it's practically like Italian macaroni and cheese, right? Uh, but in my adulthood... I tended not to get it, and you don't see it that much. When I met my wife and uh, met her family, I, th- I think I mentioned or talked about it, and her family didn't know what ziti was. Like, how can you not know what ziti is? Like, it's not, so not easy. the dish, it's but so just the shape. Good. Of, the shape of pasta. Not even talking about the dish. The shape of oh, pasta. Oh, okay. Like they didn't know what that was, and let alone that shape of pasta baked. What does that even mean? What is that dish? It it's turns sort of out like, that, it's sort of like a penne, but smooth. Uh, a penny has uh, angled cuts on the end. ZD's straight cut on the end. Right. And it's yes, really no, just a little no, smooth, too. There's no stripes. Yeah, of a certain size and diameter. Anyway, I thought it was weird because it's like, don't they? Don't the national brands of pasta just like make the same shapes and sell them everywhere? Apparently, the particular area where they were from, they lived in uh, the land of Mastacholi, which is smooth. It looks like penny with no stripes, kind of, I believe. Okay. And... We didn't really have masacholi where we were, and so they had dishes there that was basically baked ziti, but it was made with masacholi, not ziti, and so it was just called either masacholi or baked. The internet says they're the same. They're not the same. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, uh, it's weird to me that certain shapes of pasta had regional that were, were only known within regions in the United States, but ziti was definitely East Coast. I'm glad it made it to Ohio as well. So, what did you eat tonight? That's that's uh, that you're burping up or whatever. Well, I'll tell you the ziti for me was a Florida thing because my uh, I lived in a my girlfriend and I lived in a duplex, and the other guy in the duplex was the owner of our bar that we went to our favorite bar that I was actually an investor in Waterworks, great bar, and uh, he used to make baked ziti all the time. It was great. He was totally Italian. He made all these great uh, Italian dishes, and uh, he used to make it all the time. And it's, it was real satisfying. I feel like I remember it being fairly simple. I mean, you got you got your you got your pasta, you got the sauce, you got the the meat. Uh, did you ricotta cheese? Yep. Not cottage cheese. Yeah, you, you got it. <laughs> you bake it. And with mo- mozzarella cheese on top, and you put it in a particular shaped uh, restaurant baking dish, and you put it in the oven until the cheese is all brown and crispy, and then you serve it inside another plate, because the plate that you put in the oven is too hot to touch. Mm-hmm. I, I like it better than lasagna. How about that for a controversial p- point of view? Yeah, it's uh, lasagna can be a lot heavier, Uh Big ziti is a safer bet in a restaurant. But you know, still, you can still kind of cut it out. It's almost like you cut out a you know a portion. You know, no, you don't scoop cut it out. Never cut it. Come on, that's terrible. No, oh, terrible. Hmm. Uh, you don't. You cut lasagna. Fine. You cut that into squares. You don't cut big ziti. According no. to the website, is it They say there's very little difference. This is, this is an Italian food website. Um, how's the Italian food here? Um, both mustacholi and Mustacioli and penne are tubular pastas with ends that are cut at an angle. That's what I said, but they don't have stripes. But the ZD is not cut on an angle. Is ZD is surf- straight cut, no stripes. The mustacholi or little mustaches have a smooth surface. Okay, did you get that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. Well, that's I, confusing. I know my pasta shapes. Do you? I do. Hmm. Is it sauce or gravy? A curious journey in Italian cuisine. Okay. Got a All right. Well, so you, you still haven't answered the question of what you yeah, ate. Yeah, you're there. Mm-hmm. What's what the question? You, what did you eat? Tonight? Yes, that you're burping up that involves oh. ziti. Ziti, red sauce, mm-hmm. and uh, and um, uh, meatballs you just had to heat up. Oh, that's right. That's the, okay. Got it. All right. Yeah. It was real good. It was real good. Sometimes my wife doesn't uh, 
She doesn't stir the pasta as much as I do. It's a little sticky. First of all, you got to get it like seawater. Yeah, I have a, I have just the blog post for her to not read. <laughs> you know what? It's been a while. Oh, I'm wearing my shirt right now, dude. I got my shirt. You can see it right here. I can't see anything. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's got a little computer on it. I'm wearing my hypercritical shirt. Well, that's good. Hi what color is it? Black. I don't black. love. I don't love. I don't like the yellow. I look. I look sick in yellow. Your daughter <laughs> looks cute. I look sick. You look sick. I look sick. I had the best yellow tango shirt, but it was yellow, and I couldn't wear it, and it made me sad. This is kind. Of, this is gold. It's kind of kind of gold. Oh, it's yellow. It's not really yellow. Mustard. Yellow. Yellow doesn't do it. Last do Guardian. It you blogged about the Last Guardian canonical bagel flavors. OS ten. What are you scrolling for it? Yosemite review. I think it's a Tumblr. It's a Tumblr site. It's hard to get around to Google, and you'll find it. Creativity Inc. He's problematic. Hey, Mom. Macintosh. The Road to Geekdom. Scrolling. April two thousand. Use the power of Google. Google. Okay. Fill your TV set. My Mavericks review. Oh, we're getting back here now. Nintendo in crisis. Previous. Hypercritical shirts. Previous. Next generation. Previous. More hypercritical shirts. Why you don't post very often on here? This is almost like Instagram. Hmm. Was that Daisy? Yeah. I just typed Syracuse Apasta into Google and it is the number one hit. That would have saved you a lot of time. Technological conservatism. Previous. Self-reliance. It's good titles. Previous. Something about a car. Okay. I'll type Syracuse Pasta. Okay. Hypercritical, better pasta. 2012. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. You should do more things like this. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Only so many hours in a day. Yeah, I keep meaning to do another blog post about the video games that I like. And I have this whole theory about how I'm going to do it and not like procrastinate from doing it. And it's still not enough. My theory is because people always ask me, hey, what video games are good? Mm -hmm. Or what video games do you like? And I definitely have a list. And I get tired of like tweeting them individually to people. Right. So I just need to make a blog post. I'm like, but I never do it because it just seems like so much work and I have so much to say about every game. So how about this? How about you just make a list? Like, that's it. No commentary, just a list. Well, there's a big difference here, at least in my head, as you can guess. There's a big difference between here's some video games I like versus how to find video games you might like. You're you're going to do something a little simpler, which is just, this is just, here's five video games I really like. Yeah, because that's what people ask. Hey, I'm mm-hmm. getting a PlayStation 4 or whatever, or a Switch, and, and I'm wondering, you know, what games do you like for it or whatever? And it's like, this is what I like. I think mm-hmm. these games are great. Maybe you like them, maybe you don't. All right, so I just figure I just make a list because if yeah. I try to write, each one ends up being like 100 pages and I just never get anything done and I never post it. But then I'm like, well, I should probably have like a sentence mm-hmm. for each one just kind of saying like, this is this kind of game. I'm like, well, maybe there should be like information about what platforms it's available on and how long it typically takes to play so people don't, who don't want to like buy a game that takes 100 hours to finish or buy one they could finish in, in an afternoon. Like that seems like important information. And then it just spirals out of control in my head and I realize there's no way I can make it short and so I never post it. But I will. I will get it out there. Even if I, the first version of this post is literally bulleted lists with the names of games and no links and no information. I, I, I'm going to do that. So this is probably somewhere near the opposite of what you would actually want to do, knowing you. Is there a chance you see we're going to get into that? Uh, you, you know, if you listen to that episode with Todd, you're going to hear about a new thought technology of mine called context demand. You're going to get into context demand, but you could say, I really like this game called The Last Guardian, and you could write about that. Do you feel like you need to do a list before you would get specific about any one of them? 
Well, I already did. I did write a, about The Last Guardian. I saw it. I saw it on your Tumblr. Yeah. Yeah. Not not very not very long, but, you know, I felt like I needed to write about that since I waited so long for the game and I just played it or whatever. And, I, of course, I wrote about Journey for the thing that I posted in the, the magazine back when that was a thing. Mm-hmm. And so, I, and I also re- reviewed uh, Eco for Ars Technica back when that I was writing for them. So I have done short-ish game review type things, but I can't do that for all. Like I have so many games that I'm going to list, I can't. I can't do that. Yeah. Baby steps. You should just start a uh, start a text file. Just yeah, put so some names probably, in it. Yeah, sometime before 2019, I'll probably have that up on my blog. Maybe market. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. What I need you to hear today is that you need to make your next move with Squarespace. Because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog. Well, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got you covered. At this juncture, I'm going to set aside what they told us to say because I want to speak from the heart about Squarespace. I've been using this uh, service for a very long time. I think something like 10 years now. And it really is terrific. I'm going to tell you why. What is amazing about Squarespace is even if you are a super geek or nerd, however John Syracuse defines it this week, you're going to find something to love in Squarespace. Not least, you are not going to have to configure a bunch of stuff over and over, make sure it's updated, make sure it's secure. You just go in, you add your beautiful content, and you are good to go. I have two or three different sites running on Squarespace right now. The one I end up updating the most is at MerlinM.com. Don't, don't look at it. It's not very pretty. But for example, I just it occurred to me one day, I've been making these playlists in Spotify and YouTube, and I don't have any place where people can find that. So I went and I created a page there. If you want to hear uh, or watch my playlists, you can go to MerlinM.com slash playlist. That's just a bunch of markdown I dropped in. I, I do all this is me. This is me. I'm a dork. I go and I write all of that in, in my own text app. Then I, I copy and I paste it as markdown right into the page. Anytime I want to update it, I can make updates locally, push it in. This is one of the many ways you can use Squarespace. The other thing I want to tell you about, I know you know about Squarespace. What I want you to think about is, is there anybody now or possibly in the future in your life who might benefit from Squarespace? You do not have to be in the webmaster business anymore. You can confidently send people to Squarespace to make a beautiful website all of their own. I'm now going to return to what they told us to say. Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month. Squarespace. But you can start a trial right now with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash diffs. When you decide to sign up, use that very special offer code diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. That gets you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And yeah, it shows your support for reconcilable differences. For hopefully the last time, I'll say squarespace.com slash diffs. Offer code diffs, D-I-F-F-S. 10% off. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Let's talk briefly about your camping trip. I know you talked about oh, it yeah, on another sure, podcast, sure. but I wanted to hear uh, a little bit more about it. In particular, like you, you it's not your first camping trip. You it's not go, my first camping trip. This is a thing trip. you do with your family. You go camping. Yeah, a couple, three times a year. So how, how did you decide that... This was the way you were going to spend your family time. That you is it like everybody loves camping? Are you the camping enthusiast? Is your daughter the camping enthusiast? Your wife? Like how did how, how did we end up with camping? As the thing? it's my wife's idea, 
because there are two things my wife likes to do that I don't like to do. One of them is camping and the other is leaving the house. And so sometimes she comes up with something to do that involves leaving the house, doing another thing. And I was very resistant. This all started way before a kid was born. She just likes camping. And I think she'd like to do a more rugged brand of camping than we do maybe, but we do very executive car camping. And to to be honest, I have come to love it because we're getting, each time we do it, we get better at it. I have a process I will share with how to get better at camping. Um, And my daughter's come to love it because it means bonus chocolate. It means a campfire. It means uh, hot chocolate in the morning. You know, it means flashlights. It means sneaking chocolate. Like it's a a very chocolate-based event for her. (laughs) I've come to really enjoy it as I dropped a little dough on good equipment and you know, just the, the thing I used to talk about, like, I've never been good at getting into vacation. I'm no John Syracuse. It takes me three days to get into anything, which is really bad for short breaks. I'm getting bet, not, still not good at it. It's still very stressful to me to go camping. But once I'm there, I have a great time. I know I'm going to have a great time and I'm getting over the block of being resistant to where now she'll book something a few months out and I don't dread it as much as I used to. So hearing the description of your, your camping on another podcast, you called it what? Car camping? Car camping, right? yeah. So it's where you drive your car full of tons and tons of camping equipment. You park mm-hmm. it somewhere. You lug the tons and tons of camping equipment out of your car. You walk 20 Steps. or 30 Steps. feet. Mm-hmm. Less. Less. And then you set up your camping stuff, and there you are. And then apparently you can use the car uh, to recharge your <laughs> iOS generator. devices as, as well. So uh-huh. it's you are camping because you're sleeping in a tent on the ground. Save right? it for your other show. But, yeah, but it's not very rugged camping. No, you're it's not, not hiking for miles. You're not far from civilization. You are literally steps from the car that could take you to safety at any moment. Uh, yep. In fact, even if it started raining real hard, what you could do is retreat to the car, which surely would be more dry than a tent. Probably, yeah. No, it's, um, I would not want to put on any airs that it's anything but just hanging around outside near a car. Yeah, we always go to, we generally go to state campgrounds. And they're all pretty much a similar setup. There's some photos for you. Pretty similar setup where you park and then you've got this very, usually very small area that includes a picnic table and a, one of those really crappy grills, like in a public park. You get a picnic table and a little fire pit thingy. And you get a fire pit thingy. And look at that nice stump my daughter had to sit on. What is the thing behind the tent? That's called a bear box. What is that? Tell me about that. Um, there are all kinds, I actually have a photo to share with you of this. There are all kinds of wildlife, uh, all over the place, in particular raccoons. Last year we got raided by raccoons real, real bad. Um, they come in the middle of the night and tear everything up. Um, but there are also bears and wild and like, um, mountain lions. So, um, you need to have your food somewhere that a bear can't get into. So each campsite has a box that you can put food into, or you can put it into your car. And that's generally enough to keep them away. They call it a bear box, but it's really, I would say, really, it's more of a raccoon box. The raccoons, man, they are merciless. I thought it was like a oh, very wait, tiny Oh, wait, no, I'm sending all these to you and Todd. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, I did it again, didn't I? I'm doing, I'm, why am I so bad at threads, John? Messages, everything all in one window. It's a bad interface. Ugh, all right. The beach conversation again. was a differently sized and positioned window that remembered its state. You would not have this problem as much. Oh, Todd's going to be so confused. Why am I sending him these? He'll, he'll figure it out. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not putting on any airs here. If anything, I'm being a fancy lad. Um, it's, it's very, the way we do it is very fancy. Um, and we plan out our meals very carefully, what we want to have. We figure out where we're going to go to lunch. If we're going to lunch somewhere, we generally work in a hike. Go to lunch. What does that mean? 
You get so, back in the car and drive away from the campground? Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's part of the fun. You can walk around. I mean, this is a pretty, um, I mean, this is not the wilderness. This is Marin County. It's not, you know, you're not out in the sticks. But basically, yeah, we would go to, like, for the day, you could go to Point Reyes Station. Like, we went to, um, we went to Point Reyes Station, saw some deer. You could see where the big crack was for the, the big earthquake line, all that kind of stuff. Get a museum. Um, no, but we really do it up. So we, uh, like I said, the meals become a big part of it. That's a lot of the fun. We bring a crap ton of firewood. We buy more firewood. Uh, we have big fires. We have big eggy breakfasts with lots of uh, hash browns. And, uh, and it's just, it's a lot of fun to just be outside. Uh, where do you uh, go to the bathroom? They have bathrooms there and uh, showers. Bathrooms you, and showers. Wow. I don't shower. I wore the same thing for four days. You know me. Um, yeah. But of course, with me, I you know I, I have um, uh, I have male privilege, so bathrooms are pretty easy for me. But no, this bathroom in this case was probably yeah sixty eighty feet away, and you really are packed cheek to jowl with other campers. So if if there's like a particularly rowdy group or like some super loud kids, you can really hear it everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I sleep great. We've got we I sleep so well when we camp. It's so quiet. It's so still. We have really good flashlights and a really nice tent. Are the bathrooms like flush toilets or like outhouse yeah. type things? No, no. Full on. Full on flush, flush toilets. Toilet. No soap in the bathrooms, uh, but they do have running water. Hmm. They also have a clean water supply. Like you can go and wash your dishes and, and get water there. Some people come in a full on like RV. Right. Most people are like us in tents. You got a nice campsite. You got that big stump there too. Isn't that a nice stump? Look a bonus at stump. Did you see that? Well, yeah, she shared her books. She brought like six books with her. Um... It's really fun. You know, it's just, I can be such a karma suck about stuff. And it's really taken me years and years to learn to stop being such a karma suck all the time. And like, just know that if I let myself get into it, like this will be a fun thing. And I sometimes just really have to remind myself of that, to be honest. Oh, oh, look at this. This is a terrible picture. But also every morning, look at that. We had chipmunks every morning. Look at that little guy. And yeah. the chipmunks just come and hang around. These guys are all over our house. My dog hates them. Oh, all around outside? Yeah, they live in our... They, I don't know if they live in our downspouts, but they hang out in there a lot. The little scratchy nails making noise. Also, put a fork in this. Are you, you're you having a return of uh, mammal friends, right? Mammal friends? Uh, Aren't you having some... the mice uh, in the house? Was it at work where you're having the mammal problems? Yeah, that was just at work. Hmm. I want to talk about that sometime. Uh, yeah, we got nice, nice lanterns. Uh, you see the citronella candles there. Of course, we got our iPhones. It's really fun, and it's um, it's a tremendous amount of work and preparation, and candidly, money to like put this thing together. But then you go and you just kind of unhook a little bit, and it's really nice. And it was good because it coincided with my taking a break from Twitter, so I wasn't on my phone the whole time. Um still off Twitter, but like that was, uh, you know, just a week into it. And so, uh, that was a good time for me to not be on Twitter so much. Do you get any of the I'm bored from your daughter? Yes, absolutely. Cause there's not like a stimulating child specific activity to do at every moment of the day. Yeah. And I have to, <sighs> I mean, she's an only child and she's really used to having attention on demand and like, it takes a lot of energy to give constant attention. Like today we, I spent the day with her today and uh, wow, it takes a lot of energy to always be paying attention to somebody. You know, like when you got a baby, eventually they sleep. Merlin, why are you torturing yourself? Sorry, Todd. These were for 
These were for John. <laughs> um, that's up in his neck of the woods. Uh, you know, and this is a separate issue, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a little fatigued with paying attention. Sometimes I just need to like, well, sometimes I have to work. <laughs> That's one thing. I think my daughter doesn't think I do anything because mm-hmm. <laughs> all of my work looks like screwing around on the computer, which it kind of is. But like, as you know, I mean, this is very inside baseball, but we learned as of tonight, something I did not know, which is that they were ready for us to put up our member episode probably two weeks earlier than I expected at least a week earlier than I had anticipated. And then, so I know I got stuff to do tomorrow and I'm in a scramble, like right before ZD's ready, I'm in a scramble, like going through, getting everything ready, getting the show notes, you know, you know, all the junk nobody cares about, like all the behind the scenes stuff, pick out a title, do all that stuff. And she kept coming in and like wanting, wanting to show me something like on Top Chef. And I was like, I, I suck so much. I'm sorry, honey. I've got to do this before dinner. And like, uh, but in the camping it's a lot. And we kept trying to kind of shoo her out. We kept kind of going like, why don't you, why don't you go somewhere? Like, why don't you go? I mean, I got her a cool pocket knife. She's she very into whittling. We've been, we whittled together. Hmm. And that you was on hikes out. together. Yeah. 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 Like, um, we will that hike. I sent you a picture of that terrible picture of a deer that was up, uh, at, uh, point oh, race yeah. station. But she, you know, I just feel like, you know, I don't know. She's, um, she's an only child. She lives in the city and she has not had that many opportunities to run wild. Even when she goes to a camp where she gets to run wild, there's not that many situations where she really gets to just go out and explore. And I think it's still kind of new to her. But we do have fun when we go on these hikes. Um, it's pretty great. Because, it's again, it's, we say it's a hike. It's really just a walk. It's a walk somewhere beautiful, which we have a lot of here. Yeah, that's what a hike is. Yeah. Well, you don't have to climb a mountain. You just got to walk through the woods. So, you, you guys don't camp. Yeah, I camped when I was a kid. I think my parents wanted to do it. I don't know why. I mean, they they wanted to try all sorts of things when they were first married and had kids. And one of the things was let's all go camping together. And I think the verdict was that no one really enjoyed being uncomfortable and sleeping outdoors and having <laughs> bugs and all the parts sleeping of on a board. <laughs> yeah, like all, all that. All that. And I think I think it was basically like this kind of camping. I have memories of doing it as a child, so maybe we did it more than once. I know we had a tent and that I knew how to pitch it. Um, and I remember. Uh, the damp tent smell and stuff, but no one in our family seemed to be into it, which is interesting because we were very into collectively skiing, which is just as miserable when it comes down to it in terms of kids are complaining and it's cold and you have a lot of stuff and the kids are itchy and you know, their stuff doesn't fit right. And they're dropping mittens behind them and they don't want to carry their skis. And you know, it's like, it's a lot of expense, a lot of work, a lot of travel, a lot of discomfort for to get to that point where you can actually without rides. To get to the point where you can actually ski. And yet we went skiing once or twice a year for my entire life. So obviously it was a thing that we all in the end figured that it was worth it. Like to the outside, it might look like we're all suffering, but really it's worth it to to get the benefit. And I think camping is like that for a lot of people. Uh, but for us, it just didn't stick. The, the funny thing is, and I was thinking about this when I was hearing about your fancy tents and everything. I think uh, uh, this was on Erotic Online, John made a joke about uh Getting a fancy tent like that, he wants it just so he can pitch it out in his backyard. Just oh, it's so it fun, like fun to do that. That's so fun, fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I used to do that uh, as a kid. I had a friend who was a Boy Scout who had lots of tents and stuff. Sometimes when I'd sleep over his house, we'd choose to sleep in the tent in the backyard instead of sleeping in his bedroom. And yeah. so we'd go out the back of his house in his backyard and pitch a tent and we'd go out there and we'd we'd bring food and snacks out there and have flashlights. And it was like, you know, it's just 
you're you're in the backyard you're not actually really camping but it's just sleeping outdoors and hearing all the insects and having your own space as a kid because even in the house like you've got a bedroom but it's not really your own space space like you're totally away from the adults totally you can stay up as late as you want i have all sorts of good memories about like waking up and eating incredibly co- soggy cereal because long island is very humid <laughs> in, the, in the summer <laughs> right like like the cereal, we'd have the cereal box and everybody'd just be munching out of it, like, you know, playing D and D or whatever, and then we'd wake up in the morning and the cereal is now the consistency of a sponge and we'd right. we'd still eat it because it was like our it was our secret food supply. Right. And all the walls <laughs> of the tent are, are damp and gross and we're all bug bitten. So I, that's that's as close as I have to memories of camping is uh because we did that a lot, uh, voluntarily. Or whereas going with my parents to uh camp was involuntary and don't have many good memories of it. Oh, several remarks. Uh, for what it's worth, the equipment has gotten way better and way easier. I mean, I remember when I would go to scout camp or any kind of camp, really, that wasn't in a cabin. It's miserable. Just in those stinky, wet, gross. And you're just sleeping on the ground. All I had was like a cotton sleeping bag. Every single thing has gotten so much better. I have I have this uh, it's REI or sports basement, but I have this like, I don't know. I think it's like a, it can go down to like 20 degree um, sleeping bag. In any case, it's very, very warm. It's very com- We all have good sleeping bags. We have a mattress that stays inflated. We have a tent that is light, but still, you know, water resistant, like real good. Um, what was the other thing? Flashlights have gotten good too, but all, all of those things have gotten way better. Um, if that's any consolation, um, there's also just something, what you described about the whole, like that feeling of like waking up and when you're a little kid and you wake up somewhere, um, foreign you're like ah where am i you're like oh this is cool i'm sleeping i just slept in a tent like that's really fun you definitely get that with this um here's my my uh, oh yeah so my other tip was this is one of there's there's a thing lots of people do here at least in, in california at these kinds of campsites um all the kids bring um bikes or scooters or skateboards but especially bikes and so, like, uh, your kids are probably a little old for that now, but, like, the kids just tear, are tearing up all the time on bikes and screaming and doing all sorts of things, and that's a lot of fun. So wherever you would go to, to go camping, like, learn about the area and learn if there's activities that your kids like that they could go do on their own. The most important thing for me, well, the most important thing is stop being such a karma suck about going camping and go have fun. But this is the Merlin Man part is, I, I've done this as long as I've traveled for work, and you're damn sure I do this with camping, which is right at the bottom of the text file for that trip is all the stuff I want to do different next time, do differently or remember next time. And it could be something as dumb as like, remember to like bring more uh, grocery bags, you know, for trash, get more firewood than you think you want, bring an extra set of batteries. But like you will learn it by the third time you do it. It's so much more fun because you know the stuff that really bugs you. And you also then learn to be less overprepared about the stuff that you think Stuff you may learn you eventually kind of don't need, you know? But I'm not saying it's for everybody, but like we say, like I say, this is a very executive form of this, and uh, everybody ends up having a pretty good time, mostly. Yeah, it looks fun, especially uh, if you're going to go camping and you're not that person who likes camping, going with the amount of uh, fancy equipment that you went with has definitely definitely got to make it feel less oh, miserable. Because as, good as, as good as the equipment has gotten, if uh-huh. you're doing a thing where, like, uh, you're going to carry a backpack and only what's in the backpack can be with you. There's only so oh. good that tent can be that you're carrying on your back. Or uh, conversely, if you decide to get a very fancy, nice tent, you won't want to carry that on your back for very long because oh, it'll be big and heavy. Just 100%. Well, I'll give you an example of where things all went horribly wrong, which is like, you know, 
I don't remember exactly how it happened. You know, me and the calendar. Mm. There's one that really snuck up on us, which is a bunch of families from school were going to go camp for a couple nights in freaking like uh, the Presidio, like basically up the road from where we live. So if you imagine the northwest most, the big green area right before you get to the Golden Gate Bridge, there's an area called the Presidio. It used to be an army base and a fort. And, um, and there's campgrounds there. And, you know, they're fine. It's, it's even more like low-key than this. So you can hear the cars going by. But, oh, I screwed up. This is like last year. I screwed this up so bad. First of all, it was a time when, surprise, surprise, I was really stressed out about lots of stuff. This really snuck up on us. And then I started like getting stuff like, oh God, we got to get a new cooler. And I got a new cooler. I got like a hundred quart Coleman cooler and not even realizing like if we put this into the back of our passenger car, there's not going to be room for anything else. And we had this, I don't use this phrase too much, virtually like a perfect storm of things going wrong. So first of all, our, our equipment wouldn't fit in. Second of all, there were some problems with timing on when we'd be able to leave. And third of all, we didn't know that it would be when there was an event going on might have been related to the bridge might have been the marathon but basically we started driving to a place that usually takes us 25 minutes 20 minutes to get to and it it took us like two hours to get there it's like everything went wrong and like so you know that wasn't that fun and i was even more stressed out when we got there and i was really not very cool about it but, but I learned a lot from the other people there and how they do it. And that's why I bought these big gray boxes because like these boxes for camping supplies are really smart and you bungee them together and then the raccoons can't get in them. But um, you learn to mitigate the stuff that you could be a source of stress and then everything else that you can't get rid of, you learn to just let it go. So you learn to get a bigger car to carry all your junk this time, right? I mean, like maybe run an SUV. Mm-hmm. Let's see, I've got a good picture for you. You can't really see the scale of this thing. Oh, I, I'm, I can't wait to see the picture because I can tell you what kind of car it is because you couldn't remember on uh, Rock. Oh, it's a Dodge. Yeah, it's something, something, you said. Dodge something, something. Oh, I can't tell from the inside. Uh, oh, I don't know if I have any of the outside. Is that a Durango? Might be a Durango. Yeah, it's big. <laughs> Brony paper towels. Well, you need paper towels when you're camping. Oh, yeah, you do. I, that's frequently when I, yeah. Man. All the comforts of home. Yeah. This, how, this, this, uh. This SUV looks like it could be an RV of its own. You just put a little <laughs> put a little hot plate in there. You never need to get a tent. We have four of those brute boxes. Too small, too 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 short, too high. We had uh, two camp chairs, two inflatable beds, a tent plus a garage. <laughs> everybody's like clothing gear. Uh, a box, a thirty liter box of firewood. It's bananas. Now Todd's sending me pictures of a kayak. That's where they are. They're out there camping. That the... was in... Uh, Looks very scenic. Samuel Taylor. Very rocky beach, though. Um, yeah, so that's camping. I had a lot of scarring experiences at camp as a kid. You know, looking at all this and thinking of what my the living accommodations were for my daughter at sleepaway camp, right? Because she was... I don't know if she was allowed to go, but somehow I was, I was told that what she's supposed to bring is a trunk. To sleepaway camp. You know about the trunks? I had a trunk in military school. It was it was it required. So it, all your stuff modern, was in the trunk. In modern days, apparently, they want kids to get trunks, and every single suburban parent in our neighborhood goes to, I guess, the container store or whatever. Container the hell store sells trunks. Trunk. They sure do. And and gets the exact same trunk. So we we arrive with, with her trunk, uh, which was orange, and see 17 other orange trunks that are exactly the same. Anyway, 
that was that was what she was supposed to bring is the trunk. And, you know, trunk is pretty big, but it's not that big, especially for two weeks worth of stuff. Like your mm-hmm. four brute containers are not going to happen there, right? And so they didn't sleep in tents, although I think some of the older kids do sleep in kind of these semi-permanent tents. But they were in basically like a shack that had bunk beds in it. Yeah. <laughs> a camp that, hovel. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was elevated above the ground, which is nice for insects. Uh, and it's got, uh, you know windows with just screens on them and on the outside is like plywood that flaps down so if it rains you know, oh it's rain, that you're, you're saying this is pretty rustic right and, wow and and they they had a bathroom just like you did but it wasn't there it was you had to go walk to it mm-hmm. uh, and they had a little place where they made a campfire but they, she didn't have a lot of stuff and she's you know she's a kid so she's not really good at managing her stuff by the time we picked her up all her clothes were basically one gigantic wet wad Oh, like God. that was like everything she owned was like that. So I don't know if she I think she would have gotten gangrene probably if she had stayed there a little <laughs> bit longer uh, because you just don't, you just don't have you just don't have much stuff like where the, the, you, the spinal injuries they're ready for. But the gangrene, you don't see that coming. Yeah, it's just like you, everything you have has to fit in that that crate. That's all your bedding, all of your toiletries, all of your clothes for multiple weeks and all the other stuff you have. And so you don't have an SUV worth of stuff. Uh, and so even though you have four walls and a roof and you're not in a tent, uh, and you know, obviously this is like no kind of climate control or anything like that. What was it in? Is in? I mean, if you can say it was it in Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, so it's, you know, it was still pretty damn hot. It was, it was far from civilization. Yes. It was very, although one night she said she was cold and I can't understand how she could possibly have been cold. It was on a lake too. So who knows what the, what the temperature is, but, um, it's a nice approximation. What I'm getting is I think it's a pretty nice approximation of camping where you get that feeling of being outside and you get to have the campfires and you get to, you know, rough it, quote unquote, rough it because you mm-hmm. have to go walk through the bug infested woods to get to your bathroom. Right. I guess you don't have to deal with food. I guess they, you know, cause they're feeding you. So you don't have to deal with like. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to think about. I mean, if you think about the continuum of different kinds of camping, I mean, if that was not, if that were not a rustic cabin, like what would you call sending your kids away for two weeks to just go sleep in a dorm? Would you would you still call it camp? You know what I'm saying? Like a big part of the appeal is the rusticness. If it's not rustic, it seems more like uh, like confinement. Like, like you're sending them to like summer yeah, that was actually, summer have, jail. Yeah, my, I forgot about my other camping experience, my other significant camping experience. Um, so in. What the, what the hell was it? I guess it was a senior trip or maybe it was junior, junior and senior year. It was like the good old phrases from these, the gifted and talented, uh, um, like science group thing of a group of nerds got to, Sexy. yes, got to go on like a senior trip somewhere. I don't, again, I don't remember. I think it was between junior, senior year or whatever it was. And, some people went to some, you know, fancy scenic place. Uh, I, you know, I forget what the past years did, but there was a couple of years of like the glory. I don't think they went to Hawaii, but it was like that. It's like they got to go to someplace really cool. Or they, it's not like they climb Mount Everest, but then someplace great. Anyway, we got to go someplace that was not particularly glamorous. We went to Newfoundland. And wait, in, we, in Canada? Yeah. Wow. That was okay. a school, that was a school trip. Um, wow. And we were there. That's we pretty, had all isn't sorts that a pretty cold and wet area? Well, we were there in the summer-ish, okay. so it's not, you know, there's no snow on the ground or anything. Um, and we had a bunch of science-ish things we were doing, but it, you mentioned the dorms. And so when we arrived there, uh, after taking a bunch of planes, we actually stayed in college dorms in, like, some university that's, like, in one of their major cities as the first place that we stayed. So, like, here we are, we get all our stuff, we get all our backpacks, and we stayed in dorms. And let me tell you, it did not feel like camping. Because you like you know what college dorms are like we we could tell we were in college dorms and it we, wasn't we like uh, two or four to a room. 
Yeah, but it was a huge building. It was climate controlled. You had bathrooms down the hall. It was a dorm, right? But then later in the trip, we got to the actual camping part where we left the dorm and went far into the wilderness and just had tents and all our clothes were wet and there were moose and eagles and all, and you know, whales and icebergs and bazillion birds and all sorts of actual camping stuff where there was no place anyone could ever get dry and there was actual wildlife around all the time. Uh, that's where I, I came upon I came upon a moose just walking through the woods. Came around the corner with our group, and there was a gigantic moose towering over all of us. You're like, kidding so, with the big so, long legs and everything? Yes, and the big I don't know if it had antlers, but like the big uh, horn things on top of its head, mm-hmm. and it was yeah, it was the size of a horse. And we were like we were far enough away uh, that I could have like spit on it. Wow! Right? And then it just we came around the corner. There it was. And, you know, and this is the this is one of my ex- uh, experiences. I remember this. All of us were walking through the woods. Wearing jeans that were soaking wet. Oh, you chafed. Cold, I bet you were chafed. Cold and damp and wet. And we're all miserable and all of our clothes are wet and we're really far from wherever we're supposed to be. And we've been hiking forever and you just come around the corner and there's a giant moose there. And it's like, oh, well, now it's all worth it because all you're going to be talking about for the next three days is the freaking right. moose. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So that... Um, that sounds a little rustic for my liking. Right. But then the contrast to the dorms where we're in the same place, but, you know, and the same school bus took us took us to that place. But when we're sitting in dorms, it's like it was like the staging area. If I like we haven't begun the adventure yet. We are just staging in this dorm, even though we left. Oh, dorm like you got to get to the space station before you make the leap to hyperspace. Yeah. yeah. So I, I endorse those kinds of woods experiences. I think your daughter will have lots of good memories of this thing. Although maybe, maybe she's working her way up to sleepaway camp. Who knows? Well, uh, she had her first fourth grade here is when you do your first school sleepaway thing where you go to gold country, you know, the Sutter's mill area. And it's like a whole thing. And, uh, boy, everybody was really anxious about that, but it went great. They were only, I think they were there for two nights, but Hmm. that was, that was the first like bona fide. Our daughter is, it might've been three nights, but our daughter is away from us and she's with some people we know, but it was the first time that she was like full on away from us, like mostly under other people's care. With some with some asterisks. I mean, there were parents there that we knew, but you know, that's pretty wild. The first time your kid leaves to go overnight with people that you don't know is is a little bit of a white knuckle thing. What did she think? Did she handle it fine? She loved it. I just I'm I'm constantly underestimating her ability to get into something. She's finally out from under your thumb. <laughs> Freedom. I could, all I wanted to do today was like listen for listen for a title. I gotta get it done. I can't watch Top Chef. I can't look at the cat laying on the. On that's the, on that's the, the whole bed. reason you have the your little workplace. I was watching her today. There was this is our last school starts on Monday. This is our last. So we had a great morning. We went out to breakfast. We rode the segways. We bought and installed the new mailbox. We uh, we had a really really nice day. And uh, but you know it gets intense after several hours of that. You ever just pay attention to your kid like your 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 the kids your age? You ever just pay attention to that kid like for like all day? It's really hard. It's so hard. These days, my kids don't want that anymore. So you will reach that stage. But yes, I did okay, many, many but, years for many, many kids. But you can't like watch TV and play video games all day. So like there better be some craft projects and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's much less attention than like literally when you needed to be like looking at them and actively engaged for the entire time they're there. I guess. I don't know. Was she slept? I love to sleep. Wish I could get her to sleep. <laughs> yeah. It's not a thing that happens at like, like 12.30 in the afternoon. She doesn't God, want to take a nap. I remember Alex used to take two naps. 
<sighs> two two naps, naps he would do is like this is the best. This is morning nap and this afternoon nap. It's like your opportunity. It's like your one opportunity. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I just remember when my wife didn't even have time to take a shower. I, I mean, I was actually contributing. Like I took time away from work. Like was really involved. But like I, we were both so tired. But of course, she was more tired because of all the reasons. But like she didn't have time to take a shower. It was ridiculous. I don't know why we do that. Oh God, the ZD's firing back on me. I'm not going to blame the meatballs. Oh, they're good. They're good. It's a little garlicky. We talked about the membership drive. Talked about camping. You want to pick anything? Uh, we, can go, well, we can go a shorty one this week. Oh, and one more brief mini topic. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Someone, a listener, pointed oh, out. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That one of the movies that you never want to watch is now playing in a movie. This is the thing they're doing. They're playing like old movies, not just anime. They just but showed all, sorts all the Miyazakis of, this summer. All the Miyazakis were in theaters this summer. Yeah, like sort of like a revival of movies that either never aired in theaters in, in the U.S. or aired a long time ago, and they bring them back. You see ads for them at AMC theaters and stuff of like, mm-hmm. hey, uh, there's like one or two shows of this really old <laughs> or movie. Or the opera. Get, you can go see, see the it, opera. Yeah. See it on the big screen. They did it off of 2001, like the different 70 millimeter prints of 2001 or just 2001 in IMAX, all sorts of things. And I think they're fun because a lot of times you either didn't see the movie in, in a big theater or hadn't we seen saw, it. In we stuff. saw Totoro in a theater when it came out a few years ago when she was still little. It was fantastic. It was really, really good on a big screen. Uh, that's part of uh, the uh, my fond memories of the uh, Star Wars special editions because I hadn't seen, you know... Empire oh, Strikes sure. Back on a big screen in since 1980, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and you know we'd seen it on VHS a million times, and you've seen it on TV, but like it wasn't, it was they just didn't do that. So now the movie you could finally see Empire Strikes Back on a big screen, and it was it was amazing. It was just transformative, especially since I was so young in 1980, especially even young for for Star Wars. And yes, there was all the CG stuff and everything, but we were actually excited by it back then. It was like I oh, they it. kind of I messed it up it. a little bit, but Empire was not messed up that much. I didn't have those feelings at the time. Movie. I was going to lots of movies in the 90s. And I just remember being thrilled. I was, I was what? I was probably 31 and I was so excited. Yeah, 31. And I was so excited to get to see it in the theater. Same thing. I mean, you know, basically Star Wars became a thing for us. The, the 1977 movie called Star Wars. I mean, it was something where like it was in theaters. I saw it about a week after it came out. I think it was in May or June. And I saw it several more times that summer. And then I think it came back. Yeah, I mean, 1979 they did it. Well, but even maybe before that, I feel like maybe it had sort of a second run. But yeah, you're right. Then it came back into theaters in 79 and you saw it. Um, each time it was available, I saw it. And I feel like it maybe had one more after that. But then by the time I was in high school, I remember my girlfriend's dad had taped it off HBO and everybody was watching the VHS copy they'd gotten off HBO. And we would just, we would just watch that. Is that what you did? Yeah, and eventually you could buy the VHS. Like once the, once it was in theaters, you could buy the VHS of the special edition to go next to your other VHS from you know again recording from HBO. Or it was on TV. I think it aired on TV a couple of times too with with commercials. Mm-hmm. So it was always a special. I mean, this is the kind of thing that won't make, won't make any sense today. But like, um, sort of like in Back to the Future when when the kid goes, "What's a rerun?" We we're talking mm-hmm. about that scene today. Um, but you know, it's it's difficult to uh, overstate. Uh, how much all TV was difficult to get, time sensitive, and always had commercials. It was a really, I mean, you would see movies like on ABC. They would just show movies at like nine o'clock sometimes or Sunday nights or whenever. But like it was really a big deal when cable came along to get the same movie you saw in the theater you were watching at home. I, you, I couldn't describe that to you without me sounding like I'm 150. Without commercials. Like I, I don't think people appreciate how commercials murder the flow. 
of like you know pick your favorite movie and just interrupt it with ads for dish soap like it really just destroys all the boobs all the swears (sighs) i'm paying like such premium hulu right now and we still get commercials and it is ponderous some shows some shows some recent shows we still get commercials and i'm i mean i'm paying like 80 bucks a month to hulu i don't know how this is happening but i guess it's just how it works it's it's ponderous and it's that same nonsense where like it's mostly ads so like we're watching um what's an example but it'll be like ads for that network's tv shows and that's it and maybe a geico ad mm-hmm. but that used to be life man to to get a to be able to see the star wars you saw in the theater at home when i went to military school um our house father the guy in like in charge of our group um we had all chipped in and basically bought a Betamax. Have I told you the story? Like the first movies that we as a group bought for the Betamax? I don't think so. But I remember going in there. This is this would be 1979. And it was $100 in 1979 for a Betamax movie. So like you'd get enough money together or one of the rich kids' parents would donate and you'd get a copy of Sound of Music. You would not believe the movies I saw in 1979. So that, that's where I first saw The Exorcist when I was 12. <laughs> that's where I saw The Omen. Um, but yeah, it was a hundred dollars. If you wanted a copy of mash to have at home, it was 75 to a hundred dollars in 1979. Like, what would that be today? A lot. That's Just how it was though. Up now. That would be $364. And people, and Netflix, Netflix is what, you know, $15 a month, something yeah, like that. I don't even know. It's ridiculous. So on the theater revival of things, getting back to, oh, to, sorry, to, yes. to, to Perfect Blue, um, this is probably not a movie that I would say, oh, you have to see it on a big screen because it's not much of a spectacle. And I'm thinking, uh, comparing it to uh, the, like the, I, my memory, the first big theatrical release of, of a, a high quality Japanese animated movie in the U.S. was Princess Mononoke, where they got name uh, American actors or, or, or you know, well-known in, in the u.s actors to do the english voices they got someone to actually write an english script which usually they usually it's just you know straight translation and they read the line someone actually did a script that was that varied significantly from the actual japanese script to make it more palatable to make it a good movie like they actually had like a screenwriter on it and wow. it was advertised as being released in in the u.s uh you know coming to theaters now like it was not it was not simultaneous obviously it already been out in japan forever Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was in regular theaters and I saw it in not a, not a, you know, mainstream theater, but in a theater that I could travel to, like it was kind of an, an arty theater, but it, it did play. And that type of movie, like that, that specific movie, Princess Mononoke benefits from the big screen because it's, it's a spectacle, it's action adventure, you know, perfect blue, I think plays pretty well on a TV. Uh, it's, there's not a lot of action set pieces or spectacle, but it benefits from being seen in the dark with no distractions. So mm-hmm. that's that's a benefit of seeing it in a theater where like you're in a room, there's no, nothing else going on and you'll get into the mood of it. And I think it will also would also benefit from seeing with an audience. Unfortunately, if you go see this in the theater, chances are very good that at least half the theater will be people who had already seen the movie. And so they're mm-hmm. not going to have their first initial reaction to dramatic moments in the movie as it would like, I, I remember seeing The Matrix with a, a crowd of people who had not yet seen the matrix or knew anything about it. And that was one of my, my best theater going experiences. No one knows what to expect. And people are very mm-hmm. vocal. And it was, you know, it was, it was exciting. Good movie theater experience. You probably won't get that with these kind of revival things. Cause it's probably just going to be super advanced. Or already know what's going to happen. But 
Uh, I think I'm, I'm always jumping at any opportunity to think maybe this will get Merlin to watch this type of movie. So if you want to consider it, it's playing in a bunch of theaters near you in San Francisco. I can't watch that until I see uh, Millennium Actress. No, you can watch this at any time. I've seen the beginning. It looks very ambitious. Yeah, you can watch it. You can't take your kid to see this one. I bet, but you, can, you, I bet you can go on the Fandango. I bet Fandango will set you yeah, up I mean, with you these. could just watch this off my Plex. You could watch this anywhere. But if you're in the mood <laughs> to go to a movie and okay. by, by yourself and you think you want to see this on one of those days, mosey on in. The novelty is that, like, hey, you can say, I saw that in a the theater, which is very I rare. say that. I'm considering seeing it for that. I've seen this movie a thousand times. It's not like I need to go see it in a the theater. But I'm like, you know what? I've never seen this movie or any any of his movies in a theater and it would be a cool thing to do they're awfully pretty um d- am i drunk or don't we have a scheduled miyazaki podcast coming up we do when is that i don't see on my is, calendar let me consult my is it calendar. september um mm-hmm. it is the 24th we are recording that the 24th of september of august oh that's good to know you need to do my trick which is i also put in the calendar sometime a couple days before that a calendar event for me to watch the movie oh that's good i'm just gonna put it here for now is it princess mononoke yep okay this is good to know hey hey you guys tune in later we're eventually gonna when jason decides to put it out we'll have a princess mononoke podcast Hmm. Well, I've seen this movie so many times that I don't really feel like I need to rewatch it, but I probably will anyway. You know, I know I need to because I constantly mentally confuse it with Nausicaa. I know that's dumb. No, no, they're, they're which similar. is the one that starts out with the with the with the dog face mask and the scarab thing. Dog face mask. She's got the mask and she's riding around on the little surfboard. Isn't that is that Mononoke? Mononoke is the one with the little uh, the tree guys with the three holes in their face to turn around. Yes, right? yes, that's, that's Mononoke. Right. Good. Okay, that's a good movie. Okay, I like movies. Do you want to do uh, do a uh, short spoiler slot on A Quiet Place? Sure, yeah. Uh, is that a movie you've seen? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Because we're, you know, we're nearing the end here. I think yeah, we can yeah, squeeze yeah. that in. Yeah, so, um, oh, I don't know what's going on with Sharp Objects. Uh, we'll talk about sharp objects in the yeah, future. We're, we're, we're gonna let that. We already talked. We gotta let sharp objects finish before we have anything to say about it. Like, I'm gonna like, be so mad if I have to come around to something you said weeks ago. I'm gonna be so goddamn mad. Uh, just you just gotta. At this point, we have to let it finish because I feel uh, like all right. I don't know, man. I'm getting the itch. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Getting the itch. Mm-hmm. I didn't finish. Mm-hmm. I didn't. We had we had to cut out. Uh, bath ended early, so I had to cut out before the end of Sundays. But she said it was good. I thought it was slow. Yeah, you know, you just got to see how it all comes yeah, together. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so right now we're going to have a spoiler slot for the movie A Quiet Place. And uh, after that, uh, we don't worry, it's not going to be that long. We're just going to talk a little bit. And um, But uh, hey, go to relay.fm slash membership. He recited from memory. I think that's it. And uh, if you want to support the show and uh, listen to our uh, visit with Todd. And you should watch A Quiet Place, which is, I don't know, it's listed as a horror film, but it's not really that scary. Um, it's more of a suspense thriller, sci-fi-ish thing. It's uh, right in our wheelhouse, though, because it's, once again, it's, what was Todd's, Todd's, uh, Roger, no, it was your Roger Ebert quote. It's not the story. What are we about, but how, how it's about how it. How it's about it. It's a very how it's about it kind of movie. Yeah, you think? it's kind of one of those s- smaller movies and a, a little bit uh, in, more interesting and mm-hmm. less mainstream and bombastic. Uh, it's got a really good cast, uh, and it, we're we're going to spoil it. So 
you should stop listening now, but go check it out if you haven't already seen it. So I think it's available on video. <laughs> on video. What did I, did I say? Watch it on video. video. People I, still I don't say know tape. how else to say it. It's like it's... You, the, you the, can... o- Omarosa, they, they keep referring to her tape of her conversations. Mm-hmm. They still yeah, call it a well, tape. Right. Omarosa. Yeah, I, I like I like it when when culture continues doing that because that it, it validates my my old man <laughs> habits. So it's not just me; it's right. everybody keeps no, it's saying everybody. Tape. Right. I started a list of small movies. This is on my list. I mentioned in my list for, to you. For did a, I, did a I tell you for small Vember that you want to watch? Small Small Timber, uh, Game Night, Sing Street. I just started this. This is new. I started this right before you and I recorded with Todd. Game Night, Sing Street, Blue Ruin, Resolution, Green Room, Quiet Place. You've seen all those, though, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've seen. I, I had to miss just the end of Resolution. I, 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 I right as things got exciting, I had to go to sleep. But I've seen all the other ones. Sing Street is a very good movie. I think Sing Street is a, is an underknown movie. Yep, I've seen it. It's cute. It's sweet. The water's kind of mm-hmm. fake at the end. Yeah. Um, those are all the movies, and as you'll hear when you listen to our podcast uh, visit with Todd, talking about the part of the information problem is learning like how do you recommend things to other people and. Quiet Place is definitely on my list of small movies. Like, I couldn't, like, scream from the rafters that this is the greatest movie ever, but, like, if you like a certain kind of movie, you're going to really like this movie. What, what made you What made you want to bring it up? Well, The Quiet Place had a little bit of the information problem, speaking of Todd, um, and it was very hyped. Like, by, by the time, uh, you know, I, I didn't go see it in theaters. This is one I of those, like, see. it gets mentioned on NPR kind of movies. Yeah, and all my Twitter friends and like it's like you you know oh you have to see this because it's uh, even if you don't like horror movies you wouldn't expect it to be good and clever it's but it's good you should check it out like it just it got hyped by a lot of people and so despite my best efforts my expectations were high and I already got like the pre backlash you're like I bet it's not that good and you know I'm going in with the I'm going in with the wrong mindset but but I I thought I let it stew for a long time and eventually it came out on available on video and I watched it. Uh, and I thought that I, I felt like I was in a good place in terms of the backlash. I'm like, all right, I understand. I can see why people like this, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I definitely allowed in my thing of saying, but it's not quite as clever as people think. And in particular, this movie, like it was difficult for me to get past the, 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 the nerd tendency. And this, this happens. I don't, I I don't blame what, you. If you're going to have a movie like, that's about rules. It needs to be very clearly stated why the rules exist. It's any kind of a trick plot, or you know what I mean. I don't know what you call this kind well, of a movie. I, that's not even the nerd thing I'm getting. I understand what you're getting at, but I'm. I'm uh, this is a different category of nerd thing, which is like when do you get taken out of the movie because some stupid, annoying part of your brain uh, decides that it that it it uh, that people are doing stupid things. Like, you get <laughs> is this going to go? Of, is this going to go in the Louise Banks direction? Like, the, the, why would you, you have take, a kid? <laughs> You get taken. You get taken out of the movie, either because you think they're doing stupid things, or or you decide I'm still in the movie, but now I'm rooting for these people to die because you know what they deserve it because All their right, choices what, what, are what bad. Is it, what was it? What, what what queered it for you? The baby? No, not not like not because I can like look there. So this this world is a post apocalyptic world, and as you know, as you've already seen the show, because Some, something slide, has right? happened, and now what would you call those things? There's big monsters running around. There's and monsters they're, they're that attracted can't see, to sound. but they're attracted to some kinds of sounds sometimes, which is really mm-hmm. annoying and kind of kills the movie for me. Uh, but if you're near the waterfall, they can't hear you. Give me yeah. a break. 
Yeah, they, they tried oh, to sorry. spell Abba God, there. I gotta quit cursing on this show. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> yeah, but so if if this is here's one thing I love the reason part of the reason I'm watching this is I love post apocalyptic stuff. I even watched like this like that Netflix original like How It Ends thing movie. It's terrible. Don't watch it. But, like <laughs> I will watch almost anything that involves end of the world. That is one of my favorite genres. And no matter what garbage <laughs> it is, I will watch it. You love right? hopelessness. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it appeals to me and uh, you know levels. what i'm gonna put that on the list that is super interesting i i i don't interrupt you but like i want to put that on the list john's and why is john like apocalyptic stuff yeah so i think much? i've talked about it on the incomparable a few times so anyway this is like that because basically these monsters come and like the impression is that almost everybody is dead like the monsters have just eaten everybody so like because they, they weren't as savvy they weren't as good at right like they, they show like the newspapers of like uh, the world figuring out what the deal is like they're killing everybody and they're like oh it's the quiet if you're just quiet you'll be okay so everyone there's people left but they're widely scattered and they all have to be super quiet and any of them aren't quiet they die like there's a point in the movie where you see the light like a signal fire and you see everyone else's signal fire. So you see humans are left, but mm-hmm. they're all kind of being very quiet, right? Because yeah. otherwise the monsters will come and get them. Now, look, yeah. uh, if you are in, and I have this thing with zombie and stuff, you're, you, this is the, the apocalypse you're in. You're in the monsters who are attracted to sound apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, don't live in a farmhouse where... Everything makes noise, including the floor, to the degree where you have to put like markings on the floor where you know where it's safe to step. Yeah. If you if sound is the problem, you got a lot a lot of sand, a lot of sand. There are places where you can live mm-hmm. that you'll a be protected from these monsters because these monsters are not invincible or magic, and they have no weapons or technology. So basically, like they, they can't you know go through steel plating or like break into brick buildings. Like they're just animal creatures with sharp fangs and claws but still just animal creatures with no technology to speak of whatsoever like live in a soundproof room live in a recording studio live in a skyscraper like don't live in a freaking farmhouse maybe that's all they got everything there makes noise that's where he does all his engineering i understand you have to be by the farm Mm -hmm. i appreciate that like well where are you gonna get your food from you need to have farm like but they say this might be the last crop of okra to keep your life second Mm mm-hmm if you decide that you're going to have a baby or you accidentally have a baby, which I think is also perfectly plausible, like they made it so they decided, whatever. But, but like if, if you know, if you, if you have no access to birth control, you're going to have a <laughs> you baby. You got to figure out silent childbirth. Right. All right. So poor planning because you know the baby is coming. What's your plan? Uh, the plan is. We're going to somehow give birth silently yep. in this room with like, or, you know, this, this, suppo- this sounds imagine, room to make by You know that by was his putting, idea. You know that was his idea. And be like, honey, I think I got to figure it out. Opens the door. Yeah, let's make a tiny baby coffin <laughs> and put an oxygen mask in there that surely won't slip off the baby's face. That was and we will, so upsetting we'll to me. That was the, really like, upsetting. And they made the soundproof room, like, the, with the mattresses and everything, but right. not a very make, good Why don't they make the whole house out of soundproof? Yeah, well, because the whole house is going to flood and the mattresses are going to get wet and it's just a terrible plan. They had nine months to plan for it and they're living in the wrong spot. And then they, and then the baby coffin was just a step too far. I know they wanted to seem dramatic, but it's like, that's the worst plan ever. Don't put your child in like a, in a sealed container with an oxygen mask and hope that the mask doesn't fall. Like, no, yeah. no, you need to get to a recording studio. You need to be in a skyscraper. You need to be in a castle. You need to be in a military base. You need to be in a brick building with steel doors. Like, you do not need to be in a farmhouse. Or live under the waterfall. Yeah, I mean, live under somewhere, the waterfall, I mean, like, like that's, that was, that was, I don't know why that annoyed me so much, but like, next to the waterfall. But they never <laughs> clarified. They, I mean, I feel like maybe I was just not watching carefully, but I never really, I, I know part of this was that we were supposed to be in on the mystery of what this thing is, what it does, how it works. But like, they never, I don't think, really differentiated 
because sometimes it could be like clattering metal, like a toy. It could be like a beepy sound. But like, I, I mean, I feel like it, it was, I was never really clear to me. Like, why is that thing not attacking all the time when a tree falls down or something? Right. They wanted the implication to be that any human generated, whatever the, whatever yeah, this means. Plot, plot music, uh, plot sound makes it come. Because plot, like the. <laughs> title. <laughs> yeah. But the idea was any human created, any human caused sound mm-hmm. arouses, arouses the monsters. Yeah, unless there's a louder sound, in which case that other sound disappears oh, somehow. Hate, like, he hates those waterfalls. Yeah, so, it, 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 and I here's what I'll say. For that, I'm willing to give a lot of leeway because the people in the movie don't know what the deal is. All they know is, experimentally, <clears throat> this seems to work, and they make up their own sort of reckons, as you would say, about, like, well, like, the louder sound. Like, that's BS, but he well, doesn't know a good, it's I mean, BS. That would be a good case for, like, cargo culting in that case. is like, well, right, he's we, just, he's just we haven't died yet. We haven't died what, yet yeah. doing it this way. And this is this is his way of phrasing it. And they don't know. They're not scientists. They don't understand how these things work. This is just, this is just sort of like the, 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 the earned wisdom of how they think things work. Uh, but... Practically speaking, the annoying part is, okay, well, obviously you don't understand how it works and you have this folk wisdom about how it is that you pass on. But we see what happens in the movie and very often sounds that, you know, it, it's it's not clear unless the monsters have also read the script. <laughs> you know, <laughs> why am I supposed to react to this sound and not that one? Like, there's all sorts of things going on. Why why are they, like, they must have other senses too because they don't attack, like, the tires of the car or, like, they, oh, they, they find the little fleshy things to eat them. So... It was it had a lot of promise. I thought the opening scene was good. I like the idea of the premise. I even support the idea of the people in this apocalypse not understanding it. But these people, not to say they deserve to die. Like it's, it sounds grim, but you know what I mean. Like they they had made very very bad choices about where they would live and how they would live. Wow, so many you're, you're options tough. Were open you're a tough them. critic. Oof. Well, uh, that's my my whole thing about the apocalypse. Like, the part of the reason I love it is I, th- I I like thinking about like how would I handle this in this apocalypse. Like it wouldn't even be an apocalypse because like they're just dumb animals. They had no lasers or spaceships or orbital bombardment. Like, you can just be in a secure building and shoot them with guns from the outside. I know they have armor and they can't, like, but you could blow them up with tanks. You could, like, burn them. You could, like, you could drop hot oil on them. Like, a medieval society would have killed these bugs. So they'd be in their freaking stone castles pouring hot oil on these things, and they'd be fine. Anyway, uh, yeah, Quiet Place, I recommend it uh, if you're not a stupid apocalypse nerd like me and you get hung up on these things. But that's part of the fun. Like, I feel like... Mm -hmm. like, being angry about how people handle the box is part of my fun experience of watching post-apocalyptic movies. Uh, and a quiet place really did have some good filmmaking and suspenseful scenes, especially if you're not thinking about the stupid stuff that I just described. Yeah. yeah and, and I, I mean, like, go back to the way you framed it, which is, you know, what you're doing, um, that the, it's, it's the execution of this that works. It's, you know, if you can buy into this idea and, and put aside your, your nerdy quibbles, I think, I think it was very well done and unusual and again, this is, you know, um, like, I don't know, not genetic criticism, but like outside the text, but knowing that this probably wasn't a $500 million movie, it's a small movie. You pull for it a little bit. And I happen to really like the real life couple who's acting in this movie. I like, I think, I think she's kind of underrated. Did you ever see that Tom Cruise, uh, Edge of Tomorrow I did. movie? I thought it was great. Yeah. I thought it was very well done. I thought she was terrific in it. I'm glad you liked that. I thought that was very nicely done to so clearly basically make groundhog day except about this thing and have it and pull it off the way they did mm-hmm. and have and, it have it be sort of grim and desperate i love those kind of movies and uh what's his name the guy from the movies the guy from alien he's uh he's aliens 
What's his name? Is the guy that's not Paxton Pullman? Pullman Paxton? Which one is it? Pullman or Paxton? Paxton? Uh, Paxton. Paxton. Is, uh... He's so good in that. That's a good movie. You should go check out Edge of Tomorrow. It's very good. Yeah, they good renamed monsters. it. They renamed it for the. I that, know. That movie makes live, so die, sad with the live again or something. Yeah. Oh, live, die, repeat or whatever. Like <sighs> so Edge of Tomorrow was also a dumb title, but like I feel like the the whole whoever comes up with titles for movies fell down on that one because that movie deserved a lot better than it. It got. really did. It was a really it was like a really tight, like fairly seamless movie for what it was, and you're really. You know what? You guys go see that movie. It's really good. Anyway, it had good action scenes. Had in, an interesting terrific. sort of design of the world and the weapons. And the aliens were very interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, this is another case of the like. Well, I'm still figuring out how this works. You know, sort of like yep. you know what the first couple seasons. When's the um, when's the Walking Dead where somebody walks out of a barn? Is that uh, season I think two? It's, I think it's season one. Like you know, that's kind of when that show. Takes, takes a pretty magic turn, but people have their quibbles about that. They're like, are they learning this stuff fast enough? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, like, like I said, it provided a lot of leeway for characters in an apocalypse because you don't, no one's telling you what the deal is. You All you know is just like crazy stuff's happening and you're running around trying to stay alive and you start pattern matching against it and you may have bad theories about how things are working. That's part of the what works in early Walking Dead is they don't, no one is explaining to them. Even though they end up in a science place where a science person explains to them exactly how everything works, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's pretty late, I think, in the first season or maybe early in the season two. Uh, and they're not sure what the truth is. And they're, you know, and, and uh, there's a limited number of people with the inside information because some of it's being kept secret for, you know, PR and optics reasons. Uh, and in general, people are just on their own to figure it out. That part of the, before the Walking Dead, turned into a garbage show part of the fun was when they would meet other groups of people as you needed to do in a a show that went on season after season every group of people had a different name for the zombies Mm -hmm. because why would they all the same name yeah that's that is a nice touch yeah they wouldn't because there's no there's no convention where they all agree on it and they're not watching the news together so everyone calls them something different i thought it was great right right similar thing are you familiar have we talked about fair play mysteries the concepts of fair play Mm -hmm. we talked about that right i don't know if we talked about it but i know about it um, I know about it probably from listening to the same podcast uh, that you learned about it from, whatever that may be. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but... Um, Was I'm it just, the Flophouse? It might have been the Flophouse. Could be, but you know, I, I, I don't want to go on about this, but I mean, I think one thing, I'm not even like that, I'm not, not like a huge mystery reader, but I like I like some kinds of puzzle things. I like, you know what I mean? I, I like, it doesn't have to be a J.J. Abrams thing, it, but I like things where we need to figure out what's happening here. We need to figure out, and a classic example of that is a murder mystery. So, anywho, uh, this is what nineteen twenty-eight. Um, I think there was actually like a coalition of people who bought into this. Nineteen twenty-eight. The writer, Father Ronald Knox, created the Ten Commandments of Plot Devices, Knox's Decalogue, and this is basically the rules of fair play. So, in a nut, the idea is to to be regarded as a fair play mystery, a fair play whodunit, however you want to put it. You ha- you can't cheat, right? And so, just a few of these. Uh, rule number one, the criminal must be someone mentioned in the early part of the story, but must not be anyone whose thoughts the reader has been allowed to follow. Uh, second, all supernatural or preternatural agencies are ruled out as a matter of course. But then it gets down into stuff like, you know, no accident must ever help the detective, (laughs) nor must he ever have an unaccountable intuition, which proves to be right. Number seven, the detective must not himself commit the crime. Twin brothers and doubles generally must not appear unless we have been duly prepared for them, <laughs> etc. I mean, I'm not saying these are perfect or airtight or whatever, but you know that feeling. You know how much it sucks. This happens, I feel like this happens several times a year with otherwise very good movies. 
first of all, you have the first act problem, which is like so often the first act of a movie I get so drawn into. The second act, it loses me a little bit. The third act, I'm like, mm, man, did you just forget the rules of the first act? You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to think of movies off the top of my head that do this. But you know how frustrating that is where you get so into... I don't know. What do you call it, John? There's, well, there's they, they rules use, to Sometimes the story. they use it as a plot device where they establish a set of rules and part of the drama of the third act is uh, subverting the rules. It's like, even though we said uh, X and Y is always the case, but what if it wasn't? And that's like, that's the turn where like, it's impossible but you, but you, you to would defeat deploy the whatevers. That, you would deploy that cleverly. Like, okay, here, here's a rule. A rule is that for whatever reason, however zombies operate, and John has some very basic science questions about how the walkers operate, and how they deal with lack of water and cold and et cetera. But, but what we know is you can't just play it cool and walk around amidst the walkers. Unless For whatever you're covered reason, with goop. You killed my story. <sighs> you can't just go walk around the walkers. For whatever reason, we don't know exactly what it is, but they, there's something about humans living that they're, they're going to basically bite into you until we discover if you cover yourself with this goop and play it off legit. I think I thought that was an amazing. Was that that's when that's when they're still in Atlanta, right? Yeah, it was very early. It was very early because Merle. That was when Merle was still up on the roof. Mm-hmm. I think that was like episode three. Or but something. like for that, I'm okay with that because they figured out they're playing within the rules. So I, there was an upcoming as we record this upcoming incomparable on Doctor uh, Strange. Talking about how unusual it is that the third act of a movie is maybe the best act of an action movie. Mm-hmm. And it's all because he did it all by like he's within the rules of the movie, but he figures out a very clever way to basically psych out the big bad who's much stronger than him. And that's very rewarding. It's very rewarding when somebody finds a Kobayashi Maru situation that they can exploit. That's all fine. It's just that if you get really, what do you, I don't even know what you call it, a, a, a some kind of locked room mystery. You know, it can't turn out that there was a trapdoor there the whole time or something. Yeah, you or just it can't just be a character, a character you never heard of committed the murder because that's not satisfying. Yeah. Right? Yeah, or you don't want a, a like a, like a Bobby Ewing. Passing. Bobby it Ewing in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it really, you know, you feel like kind of an idiot because you're like, okay, I'm wasting my time with this dumb fictional art and I bought into this implausible thing and then you went and you goofed on it. And like, that can be really frustrating. So the the way uh, the way out of that that a lot of sci-fi and especially apocalypse movies use, and I enjoy this type of movie when done well, is uh, they show a bunch of people in a grim situation where they wouldn't have information on what's going on. All they know is people are dying. Maybe there's monsters. There's explosions. The, all the electricity's gone. Like they don't know, and yeah. you are placed with them, and they go through a bunch of adventures and have you know this personal relationships, and maybe there's a family, and maybe there's a child in peril, maybe there's a you know like all sorts of stuff goes on. Yeah. And the movie ends, and in the end, despite the fact that if you're watching this and you're like an apocalypse or sci-fi nerd, you're like, I wonder what's actually going on. Are they aliens? Is it, is it a virus? Are they mutated people? Is it just, you know, a foreign army in disguise? Is it all a hoax? Like all sorts of, you know, you're coming all sorts of theories. And, but in the end, uh, our heroes end up resolving whatever they were doing. They survive. Some people die. Some people live. Relationships, uh, you know, uh, people come together or split apart or whatever. Uh, and the main conflict of, of the movie ends, but the world is still in this apocalypse situation, and you don't know what mm-hmm. the deal is. They're never going to explain to you. So, was it aliens, or are they going to be okay, or are they just going to live for another day and die? Like, they don't explain it to you because the people in the movie don't know, and that is a mm-hmm. very popular thing to do. Cloverfield did that pretty well. Um, the uh, This is how it ends, tries to do that not as well. 
Uh, and I think that's a valid way to go where you're spared the stupid explanation because it's very difficult to come up with a satisfying, clever explanation. Yeah. And it feels true to the situation because it's kind of like, well, this is movie was more about the journey. And the journey is that these people still don't know what the deal is, but there are, some of them are still alive and maybe they've learned something or whatever. It's very difficult to pull off, though, because a lot mm-hmm. of the time it can just feel unsatisfying. Like, I like, spent like this a, whole like movie wanting to know what yeah. the deal is with the aliens, uh, and I don't get to know what the deal is with the aliens. And that's the whole thing I was waiting for, and it never arrived, so I'm kind of annoyed. Like, uh, what do you call it? Um, the guy who did Rogue One, his other movie, Monsters? I think I I'm getting this know. right. Todd? Oh, he's not on this episode. Sorry. Todd? Todd, Todd, would, Todd? Todd would tell me. Pretty Anyway, Monsters is like that, too, and I think it did, too. This is one of those times when he's yelling at the podcast. Yeah. Monsters. Monsters. 2010. Uh, Gareth Edwards. I got it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, there we go. Todd is proud of me. <laughs> Todd um, is proud. If you, have, if you haven't seen that, that's where I heard of Gareth Edwards. I saw Monsters, um, and it's really interesting movie, but it's one of those ones, spoilers, that does not explain. Okay. Uh, because that's not what the movie's about. But some people could find it unsatisfying. It's like, I thought I was going to learn what the yeah, deal is. Yeah. And you never do. And that is a way out of having to, to have an actual clever ending and having to deal with fair play, anything rules or whatever. Um, what was the Star Wars he did? Rogue One. R- wrote it or directed it? Directed. Directed it. Oh, okay. Did Godzilla? Gojira? Um... Two things, and then we should go. I would like to personally give full points to the young actress in that movie, who apparently is an unhearing person. What's the word we use for that? Deaf, right? Yeah. Is that all right? Do we still say that? I think so. Problematic. Oh, speaking of that, speaking of the daughter, another thing to enjoy from A Quiet Place, I feel like, is uh, both the recognizing the 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 sort of quiet horror of what it is to be a bad dad, mm-hmm. and also enjoying the high and mighty feeling of how much better a dad you think you are than this dad. <laughs> right. both, i'll like, take that i'll take that comfort wherever i can get it right and you can get both of them because it's like oh the, you know this could be happening to me like you think you're you're okay with your kids and everything's in touch but you know and this is even a more grim situation he he's gonna march his talk. way out of this <laughs> right but but he's you know he falls down on the dadding job pretty badly right like some you know the the whole the, the traumatic thing happens where the younger put child the baby in a cooler <laughs> Yeah, the young no, the younger child. Not that part. I, here's what I'm yeah. talking about. I'm talking about the younger child dies, and yeah. your older child thinks it's her fault, and you just let her go on thinking it's her fault, and that you hate her because like obviously would, this is even in a place where you need to be real quiet. I would risk over communicating that it really wasn't her fault. Right, like that's the only thing. Like obviously they don't have access to like psychologists and like you know it's a very traumatic thing that happened. They don't have monster counselors. It seems like. Monster that, grief counselors. Yeah. And, and they do know sign language. So exactly. that You would just like, you would spend the next, you know, year or nine months or however long it's supposed to be since then. All you'd be doing is just signing every day. This was not your fault. This was yeah. not your fault. This was not your fault. This was not your fault. He's busy. He's doing engineering stuff. <sighs> yeah. What the hell is he doing? He's doing, he's down there is not, not doing his, his job. Okay. So pop quiz, hotshot, uh, monster or not. Uh, this character is named, I don't remember her name is Evelyn, maybe. Okay, so Evelyn in this, Louise Banks in Arrival. Who's the bigger monster? Uh, the, uh, what are you talking about? The uh, uh, Emily Blunt, and uh, because mm-hmm. she decides to have a baby, because they both decide to have a baby? Yeah. So, I again, I don't think they're... they're uh, you think Louise, is worse. You think Louise is Banks is worse? You still, are, you're uh, still yeah, sticking uh, by your guns. You still think Amy Adams is a monster? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, in, but in this one, like, here's the thing. 
they should reproduce. Like they can need to continue the human race. Mm-hmm. I and they lost a child, so the the impulse to have another one is fine. They just made all the wrong choices about their living arrangements that made it <laughs> perilous to do that. <laughs> okay. If they lived in a castle or a recording studio, oh, you took, and a you skyscraper, John, John Krasinski's the monster here. He's the real no, monster. Both of them. They both. This is the both of the, their choice to to the range. The living arrangement they have chosen is bad. It's not just bad if you have a baby. It's bad. Period. Yeah. It's bad just by yourself, right? Well, maybe it was rent controlled. 